Let me invite you to take your Bibles and meet me, if you will, in Galatians chapter 5 this morning. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. And would you stand as I read God's Word? For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, or idolatry, Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And this is God's holy and inspired word to us. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. The fruit of the Spirit is one of the clearest expressions of people who claim to follow Jesus Christ are supposed to be like. It is the paradigm of a life well lived to the glory of God. The fruit of the Spirit is so familiar to many of us that we forget how startling is the life characterized by these nine virtues. A few months ago, I read through the autobiography of Ben Franklin. I don't know how I missed reading that in high school, but near the beginning of his own life story, Ben Franklin listed 13 virtues to be pursued. Among them were temperance, silence, which he described as speak not, but what may benefit yourself or others, avoid trifling conversation. He mentioned order, as in let all things have their place, chastity. The final of the 13th attributes was humility, which he described as imitating Jesus and Socrates. Franklin got some things right. But overall, the list seemed to be more of a a reflection of Ben Franklin than anything else. The fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, is about the life of God in you, which communicates that you belong to Jesus. This is how a spirit-filled person acts. These are the distinctive attributes of of the attitude of one who walks with God every single day. And, And it's not a matter of your personality or your temperament because it is the Holy Spirit who puts these qualities in us. 
We are to be known more for the fruit of the Spirit than the acts and attitudes of the flesh. Paul makes that clear in the entirety of the passage we have just read. And by the way, this is also what a Spirit-filled church looks like. I think these nine qualities become the standard by which the culture of every church is measured. And so our holy aim here at Loudonville Community Church is that the fruit of the Spirit occupies more and more space in our community and our life together, what we are known for. And I believe this, that the stakes have never been higher than right now for the church to bear the marks of being a Spirit-infused people. Now, this morning, we have the privilege of taking up the third fruit in this cornucopia of the Spirit. The first week, we, of course, looked at love. Our lives and our church community is to consistently demonstrate agape love, which is self-giving, self-sacrificing love modeled by Christ. Last week, we looked at joy, that quality of effusive gladness in God. And this morning, we want to look at the third fruit, which is peace. And when I think about all that we have gone through in the past year, this opportunity to look at peace could not be more timely for us. We've all been under a lot of pressure. And it goes without saying that our peace has been disturbed more often than not in the past year. You know, I've discovered that when life is normal, there are two kinds of pressures that we face. There is, first of all, the, the heavy pressure that comes all at once. It's, it's this enormous weight that comes upon you and its force is crushing, like immediately when you've been let go from a job or a loved one that you care for is hospitalized. Or maybe a major home repair that wipes out your savings. Those things come. And they're like a heavy weight of pressure landing down upon you. There is a second kind of pressure that comes from the daily grind that we all face that that also has an accumulative effect. These are what we can call the five and ten pounders of of life. And we look at a five-pound weight typically and we say, you know, I can handle that. That's not too heavy, like when your car breaks down or your child gets sick or your boss is grumpy. But the thing about those five or ten pound weights is that they add up over time, and, and soon you're felt, you find yourself grinding under the strain of the routine pressures of life, and it all feels overwhelming. And it's easy to let the little things build up, and as they do, they rob us of the peace of God. The psychologists call this stress contamination. But here's what's happened to all of us this past year. Over the past year, the heavy weights, as well as the five and ten pounders, have hit us all like a tsunami all at once. And we find ourselves beleaguered by the overwhelming pressures of life. Parents have struggled to find a rhythm of life while juggling responsibilities of home and work and school. And all of those different spheres have collided against one another in a way that has been unfamiliar and unknown to us. And we have felt it. Many of you began working at home so that your employee turned on your workstation camera 
and can watch you at all times. Big Brother is watching. Some of you lost loved ones, or you were unable to visit a loved one who was hospitalized, and they were left all alone, and you felt awful, and I could go on and on. I I think like no other time in, in my ministry, I have sensed from people within the community of faith, stressed out and anxious and agitated, frustrated, pressured, and fatigued. Needless to say, we all need some peace. Peace is one of the big words of the Bible. In the Old Testament, the word for peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which occurs around 250 times, and it includes the idea of wholeness, of well-being. In the New Testament, the word for peace, the word that the apostle uses here in Galatians 5, verse 22, is the Greek word irene, from which we get the word irenic, which means pleasing or peaceful. This word was often used in a political sense to describe a village or a town or a city where everything ran the way that it was supposed to run, where things operated efficiently, where people got along with each other, where prosperity and opportunity prevailed. So in the Bible, whether it's the the Old Testament word shalom or the New Testament term irene, it refers to everything being the way it should be. And for a long time, our lives have been anything but the way we expected them to be. This morning, what I would like to do for a few moments is, is to minister the Word of God to you. Now, that's always my aim. I always want to be able to to teach the Word of God accurately and clearly so that you know how to apply it to your life as well. But, But this morning, my prayer and my aim is that I want you to experience right here in this moment together the renewing, healing, life giving, peace abounding power of God's Word exactly where you need it. So with that in mind, here's what I want you to do for a few moments. I want you to think about the heavy weights in your life right now, that weight that is pounding upon you, that is crushing you, that maybe is causing great stress and pressure in your life right now. You really probably don't need to be invited to think about that. My hunch is it's right there. Because this last year has been so full of overwhelming pressures. You know, we call this room a sanctuary. A haven. A place of refuge. And so right now, before the presence of God, I want to invite you to bring your weights and your pressures to the Lord, to pinpoint those areas in your life where the stress is most acute. By looking at you, I I can tell some of you have already identified that stress point in your life. Maybe you're sitting next to the person who is that stress point in your life. And maybe it's been a long time since any of you have known peace. The question is this morning, How do we experience it? And the first thing we need to know is that we cannot produce peace on our own. 
We think peace far too often is the fruit of something that we can manufacture. It is something that we can produce in and of ourselves rather than seeing peace as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So here's the central idea that I want you to capture this morning. And it's this, that peace is not a fruit of self. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. And that's important because some of us are trying to do the Spirit's job. And that's pretty stressful because you can't do it. And whenever we try and play God, even in our own lives, when we veer out of our lane and hop into his, it creates all kinds of problems and stresses for us. If you were to visit Amazon and search for books on peace, I think you'd be overwhelmed to discover that there are over 100,000 titles on peace, and most of them are of the self-help variety. My favorite is called Inner Peace for Busy People. And you'll get a kick out of the subtitle, 52 Techniques to Find Peace in Your Life. I read that and said, you've got to be kidding me. The last thing any of us who are completely stressed out need are 52 more things to do. But that tends to be the approach that we take because we, again, think that somehow peace is something that we can produce. Peace is something that we manufacture. But peace is not a fruit of self. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. And so as we keep in step with the Spirit, which is Paul's primary appeal in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 23, keep in step with the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, be led by Him. Peace is cultivated in our lives. So this morning, if you are just barely breathing, if the pressures of this life, if the crushing force of this season of life is overwhelming, Jesus has a message for you. In John 14, verse 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. In fact, if you have your Bibles, would you go with me back to John chapter 14? We're going to spend just a few moments looking at John 14, which is a part of an overall discourse known as the Upper Room Discourse, John chapters 14, 15, and 16, record a conversation between Jesus and his disciples in an upper room somewhere in the city of Jerusalem on the evening before Christ was crucified. And in this conversation, Jesus is preparing his disciples to face all of the troubles that will be coming their way after his departure. And he doesn't want them to be surprised. He doesn't want them to think that because they are followers of the Messiah, of the Savior, that their life would be exempt from troubles or immune to hardship. And he doesn't want them to be surprised or cut off guard and And so he he warns them that they will be hated, that they will be persecuted, that some of them will even be killed for their faith. Jesus told them in no uncertain terms that trouble was coming. But he promised them peace. Jesus told them that their lives would be anything but peaceful. But he did promise that they would know a peace that went beyond anything the world can give. 
So how do we experience peace then when anything in our lives is, is peaceful? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that when the pressure of life is on, you are not alone. When things are hard, he is close. John chapter 14, verse 16 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And we talked about this passage recently in our series on our union with Christ and emphasized that Jesus going away and going back to the Father was better for us than if Jesus remained here on earth in person. Because by going away, Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit, here called another helper, who would come. And he would not only be with us, but he would also be within within us. And that makes all the difference. Because having the Son of God with you, while that's good, having the Holy Spirit in you is far better. He will be within you. He will be in you. He will be with you wherever you go. Now, in verse 16, Jesus does call the Holy Spirit, and I love this phrase, another helper. And the word means the one who draws up alongside. And I just want you to dwell on that concept for a moment. The one who comes up alongside when the little one is fussing and the older kids are fighting. He moms for you at that moment is the one who is coming up alongside. When you do have a loved one in the hospital and you are unable to visit, he is the one who draws up alongside. When you are standing At a casket by a graveside, he is the one who comes up alongside. When you don't think you can handle one more virtual meeting, he comes up alongside. And when the Holy Spirit stands there with you, there is peace, knowing that you are not fighting any of this alone. The Holy Spirit is in you. And somebody here this morning, I think, just needs to hear that. Sometimes when the pressure is massive and you feel like you're going to explode, some people get mad at God. And we blame him for all the trouble we're facing and we refuse to call on him for help. And instead of walking with the Spirit and keeping step with him, we veer again off into our own lane. When we need help, we refuse to lean upon the Helper. So instead of turning to him, we try and plow through it, whatever it is, all on our own. But I love 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Cast all of your cares, all of your pressures and anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And my question simply to you this morning is, are you doing that? If you're facing trouble, if life has been overwhelming, if the anxieties have accumulated, are you casting all of your cares upon him? Are you telling God, I can't do it. I can't carry this on my own. You've got to take over. 
Let me encourage you either today or certainly at some point in this week to find some time and a place and just surrender these things to him. I don't know what that place may be for you. Maybe it's it's when you're behind the wheel driving and there's nobody else in the car with you and you're just able to speak to him openly and even speak out loud and just say, Holy Spirit, my helper, fill me with the strength that I don't have and, and give me your peace. You know, he wants to give us his peace. He promises it. It's just interesting how seldom we ask for it. Peace is a gift of God. Gideon, at a very important moment in his life, referred to God as Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Turn to him and surrender whatever it is that you're carrying over to him. The second thing I want you to see is that the peace that he gives is supernatural. Know that whatever you're facing, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. But also know that the peace he gives is something that is so otherworldly, it is supernatural. In John chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus went on to call the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. And what Jesus is simply saying is that the Holy Spirit doesn't make any sense to the person who doesn't believe. But to the one who does believe what he says here about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, should resonate in our hearts and should speak to our souls. I know we could spend the rest of the morning today talking with people right here about their life, how when they didn't think they were going to make it, they experienced a peace that flooded their soul. You can't explain it. You can't even quantify it. But you've known it and experienced it. It's a peace that passes understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, in that very famous verse, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And here it is, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, we're not able to sufficiently explain it. We can't give the rationale behind it, but we just know that we are not alone and that he gives us this peace that goes beyond our ability to explain. And it doesn't come from our surroundings. It doesn't come from running away from it all. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And while it might be wise for us at times to turn off the news, because I don't know about you, that just increases my anxiety. Then allow our, our minds to dwell on things that are right and true and good and pure. In fact, Paul goes on in Philippians chapter 4 to give us that very good advice. So pour out your heart to him. He will give you a peace that surpasses understanding. And then be careful what you think about. I know that shalom, for many of us, often doesn't come, we think, until all the troubles disappear, until the kids are in bed. But I am, I am here to tell you that in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of the craziness of life, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. And it is a peace that surpasses understanding. 
The final thing I want you to know today is that when the pressure is on, when the stresses and heavy weights of life accumulate, there is something we need to remember. Remember God's word. Back in John chapter 14, let's take in the rest of verse 26. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. One of the things that causes, I think, great anxiety in our lives is indecision. We're not sure what to do next. But I want you to notice what Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit teaches us what God wants for our lives, and he also reminds us what God has already said in his word. And when we listen to him, when we're reminded of that truth, you know what it does? It brings peace. It brings calm and tranquility. One of my little stresses in life occurs when when we're on a road trip. Like our trip to visit my mom in, in Indianapolis last week, it's, it's when one of those interchanges takes place on the highway. And all of a sudden, exits are occurring all over the place and, and lanes are, are converging and my GPS is not clear at all at that moment what I'm supposed to do. It always seems to be about five seconds behind. And so at that moment, just when you think you're supposed to maybe take this exit, it doesn't flash up on the GPS. It's not telling you quickly enough what to do. And for a few moments, it's, it's, it's for me, sheer panic. The stress level increases. I've got just a few seconds to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And that's life sometimes. And when it comes to those moments of great anxiety in our lives, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as our guide. He is far better than a GPS. He is what we need every single moment, every single second. He speaks to us. He teaches us. He reminds us of all the things that God has said to us because we so often don't know what to do. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says we don't even know how to pray sometimes, and and there's the weaknesses in our lives. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know what to do, but the Holy Spirit will show you. He will teach you. He will guide you. He is with you. But know this. Know that the opposite is also true, that while the Holy Spirit will guide us to peace, here again, we try and do it on our own. And when we should be walking with the Spirit and leaning into Him and relying upon His help, we try to take all of this upon ourselves. And again, it just increases our anxiety and our pressure. And a lot of the pressure and strain and stress of life that we experience is the result of not keeping in step with the Spirit during the seasons of life that we have passed through. So let me close by asking you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 48. And I want you to hear what God says through the prophet in a string of very important verses. Isaiah chapter 48. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will appear on the screen. I want you to cast your eyes with me on verse 17 to start. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. 
I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit or who leads you in the way you should go. That's what we need. We want to know how to profit in this life. We want to know how to live for his sake and for his glory. We want to know which path we should take. Verse 18, all that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river. And your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand. And your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. So go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea. He is speaking to the Israelites as they have been in exile. Declare this with a shout of joy, proclaim it, and send it out to the end of the earth. And say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. There was a time when God provided the sense of well-being of shalom for his people. But they lost it because they wanted to go their own way. They weren't following him with the fullness of their hearts. And he closes out this section, the prophet does, with a stunning statement at the end of, or in verse 22, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. God says, I want what's best for you. I am the Lord your God. I will direct you in the way that you should go. And if you had only paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. If you had listened to me, if you would simply come to me, if you would obey me, you would have experienced peace like that in your life. This is God's offer. This is his promise. This is what he wants us to receive and take. And that's in contrast. Did you notice verse 22? Of course, Isaiah said, there is no peace for the wicked. There is no peace for those who don't believe. Peace is is the legacy that is ours because we are in Christ, because we are his, because he is our redeemer. So when we hear the word of God, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, he will guide us down the road of peace. But when we ignore him, when we refuse to listen, when we don't keep in step with the Spirit, that's again when the pressures accumulate, the heavy weights crush us, and the worry increases. If you do not know Christ this morning, if verse 22 pertains to you, then my appeal is for you to call out to Christ and ask him to be your redeemer. And he has already paid the price of redemption. He has already gone to the cross in order that your sins might be forgiven, for you to be reconciled to God, for peace with God to be given to you. And that's the objective sense of peace in the New Testament talks, which would be a whole different sermon. But if you don't know Christ today, then call out to him, ask him, invite him to be your Savior, and he will give you a peace with God. And also the opportunity for you to know the peace of God. If you know Christ, no matter where you are right now, this is just a simple appeal to you to come back to where you should be before the Prince of Peace who promises you peace every single moment of your day and find it in him. Maybe things are pretty messy in your life right now. Maybe the pressure is so intense that you feel little hope. And God is saying, give it to me. Let me take over. 
I will lead you in the way you should go, and you will have peace that flows like a river. Surrender your mess to the Holy Spirit. Give him your brokenness. Give him your stress. Let him pick up the heavy weights of your life. And this I know, beloved, that he does his best work when the pressure is on. Would you pray with me? And before I speak, before I pray, let me invite you just right where you are to speak to the Lord and share with him all that you're feeling, all that you're experiencing. And if the stresses and anxieties and pressures have built up, And you feel like that steamer that is about to explode. Turn it all over to him right now. He is not angry with you. He is not disappointed in you. He is your shepherd. He is Jehovah Shalom. And he wants to give you his peace right now. Ask him for it. And our holy God our Redeemer, our Savior, the one who has rescued us. Thank you that we can come and cast all of our concerns, all of our pressures, all of the stresses of this past year that have built and accumulated to this moment. Father, we just want to turn it all over to you right now. We surrender to you, and we hand over to you the things that we have been carrying. And though, Father, you do not promise us a trouble-free life, you do not trouble us or tell us that, that we will not experience turmoil and hardship. What you do promise is that in the midst of it all, we can know a peace that surpasses all understanding. So this marvelous gift that you promised to those who call upon you, we ask for it now. Father, I pray that you would give to your people, to this congregation, to those who are listening online, cascading, overflowing, like a flood today, your peace. Tranquility of soul, well-being of heart, a place of quiet rest. Father, we love you and we trust you. We thank you that you are the giver of every good thing. And thank you for the fruit of the Holy Spirit that you put in us.
thank you today for your peace. And we pray this in the name of the one who is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Let me invite you to stand as we continue.